to a degree, humanity was becoming jaded. That、mm. it took greater and greater experiences to make them feel. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information, and the author of the book Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are wealth of resources to help you thrive, including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course. Which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoy this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Joyce Joya. Joyce is a strategic business futurist and president of the Herman Group, which serves a wide range of clients globally with the Herman Trend Report and other services, and is on the board of the Association of Professional Futurists. She is the author or co-author of six books, including Experience Rules, and appears regularly in the media, including in Entrepreneur Magazine, Business Week, The Wall Street Journal, and on NPR. In this episode, Joyce shares insights on identifying trends, scanning processes, stakeholder experience, adopting personas for communicating, and far more. You can find more on her work at hermangroup.com and on Twitter at Joyce Joya. That's J O Y C E G I O I A. So keep listening to learn from Joyce's great insights. Joyce, delight to have you on the show. Great to be with you, Ross. So, Joyce, you help organizations and leaders to understand what's going on, understand what's changing, and to be able to act on that. So, how do you do that? <laughs> well, the major vehicle that I use is something that I call the Herman Trend Alert. And it's read by close to thirty thousand people every week in ninety-two countries. In order to write that, I scan over eighty newsletters and magazines, probably、uh, over the course of a of a month or more, even because some of the newsletters are compendiums of. Highlights from other newsletters, so the best of, you know. So I I, I probably cover close to two hundred with all the different newsletters and magazines that I look at. And when I find something that interests me that I think I'd like to learn more about, and I have a boundless curiosity, kind of like a kid,、uh, I. I try to find if they have something digital on it. If it's like an article online, I'll grab the URL and and or I'll copy the item and just dump it into a new word file.、Uh, when it's from a magazine, I'll tear out the pages, or even 
I'll look for that item online so that I don't even have to, you know, translate the the ink on paper into a digital format. Sometimes I'll even hear a radio segment that's on something that I want to cover. In that case, I'll look for the transcript. And I'll keep the URL and the copy of the material in uh, my Trend Alerts directory. I'll have dozens of items waiting for processing at any given time. Then when I'm ready, I'll pull up the file. And if I need more information, I'll search it out on the web using DuckDuckGo. And I like to use DuckDuckGo because it's more private. It doesn't share information as much as uh, as Google does. And I'm really getting upset with Google about the way that it's blocking certain other systems. But anyway, I digress. So if I'm low on trend alert topics, which that almost never happens... I'll set aside some blocks of, on my calendar for uninterrupted research. But that, that very, very rarely happens because so much comes into my inbox and I just need to look through the newsletters and, and see what interests me. This week's trend alert is, is about growing third teeth. Oh. <laughs> and, in order to get additional insight into that, I called a friend of mine whom I met at South by Southwest. And what she does, her, na- her company is Rhodium Research. And what she does is she sends stem cells up into space to see what effect that it will have. And it turns out that stem cells multiply much faster in a microgravity situation. I had no idea. (laughs) Wow, that's fabulous. So I'd love to dig into what you've just told me. There's a lot in there. So let's start with the magazines, the newsletters and, uh, you know, sources you use. So how how do you select them? Or how have you selected them? And how do you keep those up to date or current with uh, making sure those are the sources which can feed what you need? Well, sometimes I will, I mean, if, if I get a newsletter and there isn't something in there that I've used in a, a while, then I'll just unsubscribe from that one and look for another one that, that might be better. I mean, you, you've got things like uh, Ray Kurzweil's organization and the Burko Madalan, I think is his name, who is the medical futurist. And I'm fascinated by medicine because my dad was a physician, my brother's a physician, my daughter's a physician. And yes, you have my permission to feel sorry for me. <laughs> I think in some cases, it could be a boon. Yes. Well, in some cases, it's it's a great advantage to have doctors in the family, and other times, not so much. <laughs> well, that, that gives you it gives you a head start in understanding you know yes. medical and biological issues, which are of course so so important at the moment. Yes. So many of these sources are more general ones who are also scanning uh, trends in the edge of the future, or do you look into? ones on which are very specific in industry or topic? 
The answer to your question is yes. I will look at specific industry ones as well as ones that are doing their own scanning of industries. So it's a combination. If there are thought leaders, people who come up with ideas that I haven't thought of that are in my spaces, like my new book is called Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit into the Future. There's a webinar that I'm attending tomorrow at 11 o'clock that's about the neuroscience of audio in webinars. And I always use music to set up my audience when I do webinars, because I think that using multimedia and using music and beautiful pictures just adds additional dimensions to the uh, the whole presentation you know it's it's not just a talking head i'm i'm adding uh sight sound and motion uh, besides me who's very enthusiastic about whatever i'm talking about indeed <laughs> So, so in terms of your scanning these, do you, you mentioned before you blocked out time in your calendar for some time. So is, is this a daily? Do you spend time looking at all of your sources or how, what's your schedule? No, as, as they come in, I'll look at them uh, because I want to be as up to date and as right on target for what's happening at that point uh, if I can. Now, there are times when the mediascape is just so focused on something political that uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. That's when I go to my growing third teeth kind of articles. <laughs> yes. But I, I, I want to be, I mean, for instance, like there was a, just a, an, a, a, a solar eclipse and so I might talk about a magnetic resonance and solar eclipse and how sunspots affect telecommunications on the planet. I, I, I look for ways to tie what is current to what I'm talking about. I mean, I've done a lot of work because HR is one of my very, uh, very important. And, and um, I'm very enthusiastic about helping employers to be better. And so I've, I've covered a lot about the great resignation and how to avoid hap that happening in people's organizations. During COVID, I believed that people needed a, a, a a trusted source for information on infections and masking and vaccines. So I became a real expert in COVID-19 and I would have conversations with people and they would say, how long have you been an epidemiologist? <laughs> I would say, I haven't. It's just that I've done a lot of research in the field. So, so just hopping on you note taking. So, you were saying that you captured the URLs and the content and you know topics. So, what what is your system? Where where do you keep things stored? How do you relate things or tag things or note them? Very simple. I just keep them in uh, in a word file, and 
I, I suspect I'm not doing my brain a lot of favors, <laughs> but I don't have a tagging system. Um, I just have a good memory. I'm blessed that way. <laughs> so, so then the process of you know distilling that into your report, right? So you're choosing one topic or more than one topic, and then pulling that all together and being able to then provide it in a distilled or digestible format. So is there any process to that? Yes, most definitely. One of the things is I do not want to ever use 75 cent words. And that gets really difficult when you're trying to explain something like quantum computing. <laughs> really difficult. But I believe that it's part of my job to take really complicated information and without losing the basic meaning to bring it to the point where it is digestible by ordinary people. And I believe that that's part of my job as a futurist. And another part of my job as a futurist is to make sure that I am making whatever it is that I'm delivering just as valuable as it possibly could be to my audience. So I want to talk about what are the implications of this for them, for their families, for the future, for their futures. And I will, in order to do that, I will take a page from how I developed a process for writing advertising copy. And that is that I will literally put on the persona of the person who would be reading the article. And I will look out through their eyes and I will say, okay, I just read a, B, C, D. What do I want to know about this? What has not been covered here? And what else do I need from this article to have it be really valuable for me? Fantastic. And then, of course, of course, then I jump back into the person who's writing it and I write it. <laughs> so to be able to asking the questions that are relevant to you know, that particular person. Exactly, exactly. And you know what I find sometimes when I do that is that there are whole paragraphs that are irrelevant to that audience, and I just get rid of them. Right. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. And so part of it is being able to see the sense of the trend and, the, and to be able to work out what the implications are. So are there any processes of... The, of that sense making, I suppose, or uh, synthesis that goes on in, in your mind? Yes. 
you remember I told you I had a pretty good memory? Yes. Well, I believe that what makes me good as a futurist is that I can take what to other people seem like totally disparate uh, trends and things that are happening in the world and pull them together and see that they in fact are related to each other and that therefore the world is going in a particular direction. And let me give you a great example of that. Thanks. My new book is called Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit into the Future. And I started understanding the importance of experiences more than 20 years ago when I saw that regular consumers were looking for more and more extreme and intense experiences. And I wrote about it. I called it experience junkies. And I talked about extreme sports and reality television and extreme food. People were doing like the biking and the hiking and the, and the bicycling and the, it was just, it was just really extreme. And when people were talking about food, it was like food that would burn some people's mouths that, that some others were gravitating toward. And I want, I saw that there was something going on there. And I realized that to a degree, humanity was becoming jaded, that mm. it took greater and greater experiences to turn them on, to make them feel. And it, it went right along with the fact that the baby boomers were aging. And typically when people age, there are, they lose uh, the ability to taste to a degree. Uh, we lose taste buds, or some of us do anyway, uh, in, our, in our mouths and tongues. But, but anyway, so, so I pulled all those together and I did that. And then uh, that was the seed for understanding that experience was important. Fast forward to... Mm, I guess about 10 or 12 years later. And we now were talking about CX, the customer experience, right? And marketers were focusing on the customer experience. And then shortly thereafter, very shortly thereafter, because companies realized that without good employees, they were going to be in bad shape, <laughs> they started focusing on the employee experience. And that's when I started getting interested. Because I said, okay, if we've got some people focusing on the customer experience and others focusing on the employee experience, what about the other stakeholder groups? What about the families of employees? whom uh, Microsoft and others really go to a, a long distance to 
to relate with and to have a good relationship with. So why not the families of employees whom Microsoft and Adobe are going to great lengths to relate with, or the families of customers and the packaged goods companies go to great lengths to relate with the families. And then I said, okay, well, I started doing some research and do we have investor relations experience consultants? And in fact, yes, there are investor experience consultants and and they are thriving. So now I'm beginning to get a holistic picture and a bigger picture. And I, I started thinking, okay, so all of these different stakeholders are very important to companies. Why is nobody talking about it? So a lot of the process then is thinking of you know, the stakeholders, the people involved, the many perspectives, you know, and as uh, Gregory Bateson said, uh, knowledge comes from a single perspective, wisdom comes from many perspectives. And so part of your, so then it sounds like that, you know, a lot of your process is, is keeping on asking and identifying those other perspectives and looking at it from that viewpoint. Indeed. And what I also did was then I wanted to look at not only the stakeholder groups, but how the new technologies were being used. So I looked at AR and VR and AI and how they're being used to connect with these different groups. And then I also used, uh, wanted to talk about gamification and simulation. And I took it a step further even I talk about something that I call workification, which is taking the installed databases of things like League of Legends, which have over 10 million installed players, and finding a way to incorporate work into those games. And there, I think that's what's coming next. But anyway, so... So I, I took all of those technologies and I put them into the book. And then I said, okay, so how do I make this again, putting on the persona? I've got all this information about how different companies, over hundreds of companies are bonding with different groups of stakeholders. I've got all of the technologies. Okay, so where does the company begin to use this information and really drive profit. And I realized that the model was already there in looking at the customer journey. So what I said was, okay, we've, we're do already mapping the customer journey. Why aren't we mapping the employee journey? Why aren't we mapping the supplier vendor journey? Why aren't we mapping the journey for the families and for investors and all of those different things? So, okay, so that's the next step. But then companies need someone to oversee all of this work. 
And so I forecast the rise of someone called the CEXO, the Chief Experience Officer, whose job it will be to coordinate all of the messaging, branding, and advertising for all of those stakeholder groups. So the in terms of that process, so you're bringing together all of these different perspectives, as you say, all of these different journeys and so on. So in terms of just the, the cognition in the mind, I mean, how, what is then the process for you or that CEXO to be able to pull these together into a whole? Because there's so many different perspectives. Is, it, uh, is there any state of mind or process or ways of synthesizing or bringing these together? The key is that that CEXO has to realize that all of the branding has to be aligned. All of the messaging has to be aligned because if the employee message is different than the customer message, that's not going to work. So it's their job to look at how do they create the congruence between all of these messages. And it's very interesting that there are two companies that are really looking at, at a, a much more holistic uh, approach to doing business. And both of them have come up with a single word, which doesn't surprise me. The word is caring. Hmm. And when I needed to change the TED Talk, which I did in New Zealand in 2018 or something, to make it more consumer-oriented, I, I used the title, Creating a Culture of Caring. And I started off by talking about the relationships between parents and children and then evolved it to our work families and end it ended by talking about what I've just shared with you. Fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I think it's really insightful to that process of bringing together those, uh, the, those ideas and, you know, be able to see point to some of the, the major things emerging. So to round out, is there any advice you would give to those who are seeking to thrive in a world of, Excessive information. Yes. In the process of collecting and, and being a sponge and having this unbounded curiosity, which I, I, I highly recommend because it works very well for me, understand that you have to take care of your body as well. And what that means is I get daily exercise, I'm still trying to get eight hours of sleep a night. Haven't mastered that one yet. Although many times I'll get four hours early in the evening, get up and, and do stuff and then go back and get another four hours, uh, which is, it doesn't serve me and I'm trying to get out of that. But my husband says that I have two speeds, supersonic and off. <laughs> and it's really vital to turn off and just be sometimes. And what yes. that means is 
not necessarily meditation, but just give yourself time to breathe. Give yourself time to just relax and just take in the world. Uh, how does your body feel against the seat of the chair or wherever you are? Um, what is going on? Uh, how does how does the air feel on your skin? Just tuning into your body for short periods of time, a minute here, a minute there, but it's an opportunity for a reset, for us to just kind of reset ourselves, relax, and then we can turn back on the brain, we can turn back on the all the senses, and we come to it to a degree with fresh eyes and ears because we have given ourselves this opportunity to just relax and, and be with ourselves for a short time. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, not only sound advice, but uh, not many people don't recognize that in order to sometimes... <laughs> Well, to the degree they can, going supersonic requires those uh, stop times as well. So is there any anything anywhere you would point people to to uh, find some of the best of what you do? Ah, some of the best of what I do. Well, right now, it's still at www.hermangroup.com. However, I am working on a new website which is JoyceJoya.com, and that's spelled G-I-O-I-A. And I'll also have much more information on another site called ExperienceRules.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and your insights, uh, Joyce. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Ross. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com, where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.